Church, I'm going to share with you today from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. And that's, you'll recognize that, that's the love chapter. And we may dwell on this for two or three weeks, but today I'm going to focus in on one verse in particular. But before we get there, I would like to read the entire chapter to you. It's not that long, 13 verses. And since you've been sitting for a while, those are the gather here live. If you'd like, I'd invite you to stand with me uh, for the reading of the word. And I'll read it and then we'll pray and get into this message. Paul writes these words to the church at Corinth. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. And if I would have prophetic powers and understand every mystery and every knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I do not have love, I'm really nothing. If I give away everything I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial passes away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. We now see in a mirror. It's dim. But then we will see face to face. Now we know in part. Then we shall know in full, even as we have been known by him. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Lord, we ask your blessing upon the reading of the word and the message this hour. Feed it to our souls and our lives that we might be your church. In Christ's name we ask, amen. Please be seated. You know, I'm going to tell you that um, you may think, well, he's preaching on a very familiar passage. It's read at every uh, wedding that I've ever been to, and whatever you might think about 1 Corinthians 13. But I want to suggest to you today that this is not going to be the best message I've ever preached but it might well, very well be one of the most important uh, messages that I need in my life right now, and I think that many of us might need in our lives. This great chapter uh, that Paul has given to us, the love chapter, he, he walks us through it this way. And I know I just read it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you again one verse at a time and just talk so you get it in your head. And then we're going to stop at one verse, the seventh verse, and we're going to take a real deep look at that not a real deep look, but a, a deeper look at that verse today. Think about what Paul said. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. Now let's stop and understand why this passage appears in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is a church divided. 
They're a church that has jealousy and strife and division and envy in their midst. Some has, he has just finished the 12th chapter talking about spiritual gifts. And some had claimed that they had spiritual gifts that others did not. And it was causing a problem in the church. People were, were wondering, why do they have that gift, but I don't have that gift? And Paul's not going to say that the gifts aren't there, or the gifts aren't important, but he's going to stop in the middle of this discussion of gifts to talk about love. And notice what he says. If I could speak in the tongues of men and of angels, he's talking about a spiritual gift. He says, even if I've got that gift, but I'm missing love. All of that chatter and all of that talk might as well be a a symbol on a drum set that some kid is just sitting there banging that makes no sense. He said if the love is missing and the distribution of the spiritual gifts, it really is of no effect. And he says if I have prophetic powers, and I want you to understand it's not the prophecy of the future, it's the proclamation of the word. If, If I could preach like Billy Graham and I also had an understanding of the mysteries of the word and if I had all of the knowledge that God could give and if I had the greatest faith that God could give to a human being, but I don't have love, none of it counts. If I, if I had so much faith that I could say to that mountain, be removed, and it was removed, even if I had that kind of a faith, but I'm missing love, it really is of no effect. And then he says, if I'm the type of person that would give away all that I have, I want you to stop and remember what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. He said, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, then come follow me. Paul's saying here, if you were that person, if you were the person that that had a lot and gave it all away so that you could follow Jesus, he said, even if you did that, and even if you gave your own body to be burned uh, in the Colosseum, as they did to Christians at this time, he said, if you did it and you didn't have love, it would really be no real gain on your part he said here's what love looks like love is patient love is kind love doesn't envy it doesn't boast love is never arrogant love is not rude it doesn't insist on its own way And it's not irritable or resentful. I just want to stop for a minute and and say to you, you know, a friend of mine, I I went to see my friend this week. He was in the hospital. We got him out of the hospital. And and he was complaining because he was having a problem and he couldn't get a hold of his wife because she didn't have her phone with her. And he's telling me about it, you know. And he's She never takes her phone. And when she takes her phone, she leaves it in the car. And I'm going to get a leash and put it around her neck. And I needed her. And I couldn't get a hold of her. On and on and on. He's gone. And I said, hey, how long you been married? And, you know, 50-some years or something. And I said, is that really worth it? You love her. You've been with her this long for crying out loud. Is that really need to irritate you that much? He didn't like that. It's not irritable, and it is not resentful, and it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, and it does rejoice in the truth. And then Paul says this seventh verse, which is the one I'm going to focus on today. Love bears all things, 
It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. You know, I've got two grandchildren. Most of you know that. Got little Easton, six years old now. We got little Emma, who's just a year old. In fact, Emma is now about 15 or 16 months old. If I call Easton up today and say, hey, you want to come to Papa's house? We're going to do whatever. He, is, he has dropped the phone. He's at Mommy's side, and he is telling her he's going to come. But folks, at 16 months of age, that little Emma is still afraid of me. I'll reach out for her and she'll go, and start crying. Emma, she doesn't want to do it. The other night they came over to see us and there she was and I I put my hands out and she went, she didn't want to come to me. And my son said, now you're going to go to Papa. And I said, Nate, don't do that. It'll be in her time. When she's ready, she'll come to Papa. It doesn't mean that I'm not upset that she just loves my wife. It doesn't mean that I'm not upset that she'll go to her at any minute. It doesn't mean, you know, I've taken the kid three-pound boxes of cookies. I've taken her a little goldfish. I've taken her all kinds of manner of good stuff. And she says, ugh. But anyway, that's not the kind of love we're talking about here, church. Love bears all things. Now, when you read that, what you initially think is it puts up, right? It puts up with. I mean, let me stop and give you this illustration as well. When, when Janice and I were engaged, I went out and bought her a Lane Cedar chest. Do you all remember Lane Cedar chest? Do they still sell them? I don't know if they do or not. But I went and got her a Lane Cedar chest, and I had inscribed in it the very verse that we're talking about today. Love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. When I gave that to her, I'll interpret to you what I was saying to my future wife. Love bears all things. Honey, you ain't seen the worst of this. Just wait. (laughs) Love believes all things. I'm going to try to tell you the truth about that car I bought and tell you, didn't tell you about, but, but we'll get to that later. Love hopes all things. It's going to get better. Believe me. Love endures all things. You won't believe what you got to put up with. That's not anything about what this verse has to do with. Love bears all things. It means to cover up. Now, I want you to get that in your mind. Love covers all things. And in particular, what Paul is talking about here is unfavorable things. The church was divided. The church was biting at each other. They weren't showing their best. When we were first married... I had a friend, Jack. Jack was from Bernie, Missouri. That's southern Missouri, so he had an accent. He had a Ph.D. in English. He had taught at Asbury College. Uh, he, he was a trained United Methodist pastor, had both a master's as well as a doctoral degree. One of the most intelligent men I've ever met. But he was, as down, he was more down to earth than you and I. I mean, he was, he was down to earth. And I would invite him once a year to come preach for me for a week or so. He'd come for little meetings we had. And one day Janice and I took him out to Kmart in East Liverpool. He needed something. And Jack, when he walked, he walked like this. And he he just threw his arms at me, big man, great big. And he jumped out of whatever car we had at that time. And he headed into Kmart. And as we're going down the aisle in Kmart, Janice just starts laughing her head off. And there's Jack walking way far ahead of us down the aisle. And I what are you laughing at? And I looked. 
And his pants were ripped in the back about that far. (laughs) And with every step, those pants came open. (laughs) And she says, you tell him. (laughs) I said, no, you tell him. (laughs) No, you tell him. And back and forth we went till finally we told him. You know what Jack did for the remainder of his trip through Kmart? He held his hand back here. (laughs) He was covering up. Love covers up up. Let me ask you a question. If you've ever had a rival, say, or someone that you weren't that pleased with, what happens often in those cases? Those folks that we have a difference with? Do we take the opportunity to tell others about their faults? Love covers all things. The worst thing I've ever done, would I want God to put that out to you folks? Now you turn that question on yourself. You see, love that covers doesn't use a social media account to let everybody else know what's going on. Love that bears all things is like God's love. The unfavorable things Well, they'll rest while the love continues to flow. Love believes all things. That's the next part. Now, I've got to tell you, when I I bought that cedar chest and had that inscribed, I just, you know how you are when you're in love and you're young. You know how that goes, you know, your eyes gloss over. You see the world through those rose-colored glasses. Everything's going to be good. That's not what Paul's talking about. It's the word that Paul uses here. It's the word, the same word from which we get the word faith. Believe. And it's not that you believe anything, but you believe all things. And it has to do, remember faith has that element of trust, right? Trust. When he says that love believes all things, It's to say that in the life of the church, and hear me, church, 1 Corinthians, what is going on there? A divided church, people were backbiting, people were divided. When you are in that condition, you trust no one. And Paul is saying that's not how the church should be. The church should be a place of God's love. God's love allows us to trust each other. Did you hear that? To trust each other. Jesus asked this question in Luke 16. He said, If you who have been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And his question was about trust. Are we faithful enough? Are we believers enough to trust not only God, but to trust the body that he's given to us, the church? In another place in the Gospels, Jesus says, it says this about Jesus. When he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing, but Jesus did not trust himself to them because he knew all people. Let me, let me parse that for you. Jesus is at Passover. He's doing signs, and because he's doing signs, people are saying, oh, gee, this is wonderful. I'm going to trust him. And Jesus knew that they were only doing it because of the signs, and therefore he did not entrust himself to them 
like he did to the disciples because he knew that faith wasn't based on true belief and true faith in him, but rather on what he did. He could feed the 5,000. He could heal the sick. He could do these wonderful things that enhanced people's lives, but they weren't seeing who he really was. You know, Jesus had that privilege, but you and I don't. Jesus had the privilege of knowing all people, what's in us, but you and I don't. We've all had the experience of meeting someone, and yes, it happens in the church as well. That isn't what they appear to be. And when we find out, it hurts, doesn't it? When we find out too late, it really hurts. Loving others, a a, a love that trusts others, it can be very difficult for us, particularly if we have been burned by someone before. And you know as well as I do in the church, we shouldn't be burning each other. You see, we should be bearing, that is, covering each other's burdens, but also we should be trusting each other with our own. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. The body of Christ, the church, is supposed to have an atmosphere of trust of mutual love and respect that allows us to find the peace of Christ with each other. This isn't something the world could give us. It's something that we should give the world. It's something we owe to each other, and it's something that Christ calls us to. Real love bears all things. It believes all things. It trusts. And love hopes all things. That's the third word I'm going to get to here in the seventh verse. The word hope here means to expect something. In the Old Testament, get this, hope could mean to expect something, but it didn't mean necessarily something good. It could mean to expect something bad. But for Christians, once Jesus comes along and forgives our sin, dies on the cross, and rises from the dead, the difference for us is that the act of salvation that God has promised to his people has been given to us, and therefore the Christian notion of hope is a positive thing. It's grounded in the saving work of Christ. So love hopes. And let me be sure that we get this. Love bears hope. All things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. When Paul would write to the church at Rome, he said to them this, In this hope we were saved. Hope that is seen isn't hope. Who hopes for something he already sees? We hope for what we don't see and we wait for it with patience church there's times when it's going to be tough to to bear all things to believe all things to hope all things but that's what god's spirit does for us it strengthens us and so this hope in spite of any circumstance and let me let me let me get down to what i'm trying to say here so you get it times can be tough you think times are tough times can get tougher truth is, friends, for the Christian, the great expectation that we have, what comes next for us means that we can endure anything. We have a hope that is sure. On that first resurrection morning, Mary did not expect for Jesus to come out of that grave, but he did. 
The disciples didn't believe it when they heard it, but he did. Thomas is in an upper room, and he's doubting unless he can touch him, but he did. And you and I know by the witness of heaven, the witness of the Holy Spirit, and the witness of Scripture, that he did. And that is our hope. That is why we can endure whatever this life has to offer, which is what Paul says next. Love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. When you endure something, (laughs) I hope this isn't your case this morning. Have you ever endured a really bad sermon? I mean, I mean, you sit there and you kind of reach down on your leg and pinch. Stay awake. <laughs> Stay awake. I cannot stand going to the dentist, but I endure it so the teeth don't run out of my head. I can't endure a whole lot of things, and I know there are things that you can't endure, but the difference for Christians when the time gets rough is we endure because we have a future. Endurance isn't being brave. Endurance is knowing the end result. Endurance isn't just not caring about what's going on. Endurance is knowing that at the end it's going to be better. It's an attitude that we, we get from all of that bearing, believing, and hoping. It's an attitude that comes from a fellowship of believers who are able to look beyond each other's sins. Love bears all things that are able to entrust each other with their deepest secrets. Love believes all things. That are able to hope the best even for those that don't deserve the best. Love hopes all things. And then Paul says love endures all things. Our suffering comes from our hope in Jesus Christ. And our endurance in suffering is motivated by the fact that Jesus suffered for us. Jesus carried the sins of the world. And in the context of the church, this type of endurance means that we die with Christ in the knowledge that one day we'll live with him. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, if we died with him, we'll live with him. If we endure with him, we'll reign with him. He's saying that we as Christians, this is something we can do. So church, let me summarize for you one more time what Paul's talking about. And as you listen to this, I'm just going to read three verses, four verses, four, five, six, and seven. I want you to listen to this Intently. Love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, as I read that to you, That ought to be the job description of the Christian. But here's the problem with it. Few people live this way. In our society today, to be patient, kind, 
not envious or boastful, not arrogant or rude, to not insist our own way or, or to be irritable or resentful, and, and to love in a way that bears and believes and hopes and endures. That's almost fairy tale in our society. And yet Paul tells us that's what the church looks like. That's what the body of Christ ought to be. Patient people, kind people, not envious people, not boastful people, not arrogant people, not rude people, not someone that has to have their own way, not someone that's going to be resentful, not someone that rejoices when someone does something bad, but those that would rejoice with the truth and would bear all things, believe all things, and hope all things, and endure all things. And now I'm going to go one step further. He's writing to the church at Corinth. They're divided. They're fighting. They're bickering. And Paul doesn't say, this is my suggestion to you. Paul says, if you're going to be the, the church that Christ died for, you must be these things. I want to ask you three questions, and then we'll get to the bottom line. Think in your mind's eye for a minute as you remember your stories of Jesus that you've read and learned across the years. Where did you see Jesus bearing, hoping, believing, and enduring? If you look at where Jesus bared, believed, hoped, and endured, what you'll find is that every time Jesus is loving somebody, Bearing, covering. You remember that woman? They were going to stone her to death. Jesus comes and writes on the ground and everybody scatters. And he looks at the woman and says, Woman, where are your accusers? And they're gone. And Jesus says to her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know what Jesus did right there? He lovingly covered her fallenness just like he covers ours. Second question, where have you seen yourself bearing, hoping, believing, and enduring? And my last question is this, Westbrook Park Church, if we were to be this, what we just talked about this morning, Patient, kind, long-suffering, not rude, not arrogant, not prideful, not boastful. But bearers of each other's burdens. Believers in the very best for each other. Hopeful because we know that our hope is in Christ. And our, this world's not our home, we're just passing through. If we were that, we could endure just about anything If we were like that, how would it work itself out in the way we treat each other and in the way that we love each other? The next time you hear 1 Corinthians 13, I want you to remember this. Paul didn't write 1 Corinthians 13 to give counseling to young, to-be-married couples. He didn't give 1 Corinthians 
13 to a couple that was celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary to place on a cake. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13 to a church that was divided and angry and jealous and bitter and envious. And he says to them, you'll never be what God wants you to be until you love the way Jesus loved. And it brings me to my bottom line. And church, you've heard this before, and if you haven't heard it before, you've read it before, it's a line that I've kept on the bottom of my stationery probably as long as I've been in the pulpit. Here's the bottom line. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Now, why is that your bottom line? That's Ephesians 5.25. If you read Ephesians 5.25, what you'll find there is is that it's used in the context of a married couple. Paul says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Forget about the marriage part and understand this. What Paul told us in there is what sacrificial, godly love looks like. It dies on a cross for others. Husbands, don't remember that part. Wives, don't remember that part. Here's what you want to remember. Christ loved the church. Westbrook Park, we are gathered together in this place at this time with some purpose that's bigger than us. That's bigger than us. And the best way we have to get there is to love the way Jesus loved because then we will reflect the kingdom of God that he promised and we will reflect it to a world that's looking for that kind of love. Amen.